going from the analog film business to a, a much more modern digital process was challenging from a business standpoint, not necessarily from a development standpoint, because we knew how to do that, but how to market it and sell it. Welcome to Profiles by Chain.io. I'm Brian Glick, Chain.io's CEO and founder. Uh, today, we're going to talk to John Adams of Regiscope. Regiscope is a pretty cool company that dates well before many of us were in the industry, all the way back to the world of physical film cameras. Uh, we're going to learn about how they made the transition from analog to digital and on to mobile and maybe even to the world of blockchain. Uh, so hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, John, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, Brian. So why don't we uh, dive right in? Tell us how you got into the, the supply chain and logistics space. Well, Regiscope was originally a microfilm camera that was designed and patented a long time ago, back in 1957. And what was unique about it is it would take a picture of two different subjects, a person's face and then some documentation, typically their driver's license, and then uh, documents such as a bill of lading. <clears throat> and we had a lot of these cameras at supply chain facilities, distribution centers or cargo facilities um, around the country. And the cameras would be used when a driver was picking up cargo and they would take a picture of the driver's face and his license and the bill of lading. And they would have a date time stamped and they would have a, an analog film record of the transaction. And if anything ever happened, if a piece of cargo went missing, they could always go back to that photograph and get the prints and see who was actually there to pick up the cargo. And those pictures, which became known as Regiscope photos, were legally acceptable as proof in court. So they were quite popular at the time. That's obviously some technology that I think a lot of people listening to this may never even have seen. How did the transition go from that to a, sort of a digital world? In about 2001, I think it was early 2001, is when Pent Intel came out with the first Pentium processor. And at the same time, memory started going up and in quantity and down in price. So all of a sudden, you could get a computer that had enough power and storage and memory to start recording a lot of digital photos, or before it was really not nearly enough storage or CPU power, processing power. And that's when we realized that you know, the film was going to go the way of the Dota, which of course it eventually did. It didn't happen overnight. But we decided to start developing a digital version of that old film, microfilm camera, a computer software-driven piece of hardware that had cameras, two cameras, and the cameras and would take pictures of the people's faces and IDs and scan documents, and we could scan a fingerprint. And so that was like our first version, digital version of that old film camera. And there was a market for that. We, our first systems we sold were actually to a big customer in the supply chain industry, and they were having issues, and they wanted something like the old film camera, which they remembered, but they wanted something new. And we had it. So that was uh, that's how we got started digitally in the um, in this industry in this field. So explain kind of a little bit more about about the product and about how does a, a company typically use this in their day to day life. So what we're doing is really on a on a thirty thousand foot level is is visitor management. 
a visitor, whether it's a ver- person coming in a front door of an office building or a cargo facility or a driver or a contractor coming through the back or going through a welcome center and going into the warehouse. It's all visitor management. But depending on your application, your your application can be very different. So for instance, dealing with customers in the supply chain and primarily the drivers that come into a facility is totally different from visitors that go into a hospital and are going in to see a loved one that was admitted and is in a room. So we had to focus on what was special about that industry and come up with versions of our software and configuration options that were geared specifically to that industry. For instance, we would always validate license that was being presented by the drivers. We could also validate the carriers and verify the driver's identity. So we wanted to make sure that this driver passed a series of tests before he was even allowed into the facility. And that's how our software is unique to the supply chain industry and how we've developed it over the years, primarily from feedback from existing clients and what they would need. So so do you think it's important for somebody who might be getting into the, the tech space in the supply chain today to have a lot of that industry knowledge going in or can they rely on their clients to provide it or or so where do you think that balance is i think you need um both i think if you can get someone who is very knowledgeable about the industry and knows how the industry works that is very helpful otherwise you probably end up going down some dead ends in your software development, which is just a waste of time and development. And I know from personal experience early on, we did we did that a bit. Um, but once you get in and you know you've developed a product that is going to satisfy a need, then getting feedback from your customers is a good way to continually develop the software. And early on, we developed relationships with some big corporations that were in the industry. And they were dealing with issues presented to them, compliance issues primarily by the TSA and by CBP. And they were looking for a solution to these issues. So they would be compliant and they could, the other thing they wanted to do is not only be compliant, but be able to replicate their process across all facilities. And if they were doing a manual process, not only was it slow and difficult to prove they were being compliant to a TSA auditors, but it was difficult to replicate the same process across multiple facilities. So as you uh, sort of started this journey with these physical uh, cameras that, that we can all sort of picture in our, in our history books at this point, uh, and the move to a desktop version, uh, what was that transition scary kind of becoming a tech company? We got somebody on board pretty quickly who knew a lot about this. And we were able to develop a basic product. I'd say it was about 10 months, which was really fairly quickly in, uh, I think, development time in the in the IT world. So we were able to start with that, get some systems in. And of course, originally the systems were just developing, uh, taking the pictures, which was good for some customers. But then customers started wanting to say, well, I need to have database records of the different visitors coming in. I want their photos on file. I want to be able to pull up a record. I want to track their history. I want to do reports. Um, I want to be able to get data from the system and then export it to my warehouse management system or my yard management system. So over the years, the software just kept growing and growing. It was a little bit scary, but you know we had a lot of help along the way to develop it. Sounds like, yeah, you were doing agile development before that was uh, before it was cool, I guess. So one feature at a time. 
Um, I know you're going through your your sort of third generation now. What sort of precipitated the transition to, to your newer devices? First of all, we realized that as good as the market was, as much as, as a desire there was for customers to have our product, costs was an issue. That and as the software developed, we became more and more reliant on network and then internet connectivity. We had to connect multiple systems across multiple facilities to a centralized server. We had we changed our license parsing and validation to a cloud-based subscription. And initially, we had um, resistance to IT departments putting our systems on their network. And that actually only just got worse over time as, as hacking got more and more common. You know, we actually had one of our big clients actually got hacked um, a couple of years ago. So that became a big issue for them. So we just, and also the, there was been a move away from desktop to mobile computing, which actually started with the first generation iPhone. So we realized that by going to a mobile device, we were going to be, you know, leapfrogging our older technology and going to a much newer technology that everybody wanted to use. And we could bypass the IT department's concerns of any big customer by just skipping the, going onto their network. We could go directly from one of these handheld devices through a Verizon cellular connection to a cloud server. And then we could access our cloud license parsing, our identity verification, the customer's databases, all that could be done quickly and easily and all remotely and without any hardwiring necessary. So that was the impetus for this. And we were also able by going to a, a all-in-one based handheld device that had cameras built in, that had scanners built in, that had a screen, that had a touch screen, keyboard, all this, we could bypass the whole bunch of hardware that was necessary for a desktop system. We didn't need USB cameras and USB license scanner and USB printers and all the other you know, hardware that was needed with the desktop system. We go to a portable, um, easy to maintain and reliable uh, mobile platform. So I think we've increased our market opportunities, the market share we could develop tenfold probably over the old desktop system by going to this new mobile application, mobile platform. I think I understand you also sort of changed the pricing model around that. How did that affect your sales process? Well, we had started with some handheld devices about three or four years ago. And for the most part, they were they were adequate and they were all ruggedized devices. We couldn't put a device like a regular cell phone into a uh, supply chain facility, you know, out in the tarmac at a at a truck welcome center out in the middle of a parking lot. Um, the conditions were just too rough. We, so we needed a ruggedized device. And so the first ones we had were okay, but then we realized Panasonic was getting into this market big time. Now Panasonic had been in the ruggedized arena for about 10 years with their line of Toughpad laptops, which were military spec. But about two years ago, they came out with a ruggedized line of handheld devices, tablets, and the true handhelds devices that were more the size of a cell phone. And they have very aggressive pricing. We became a, a partner with them. They also offer three-year factory warranty, which includes return to depot to their facility in Memphis overnight via FedEx, and they pay for everything, repair of one of their devices. And even if you 
dropped it and a tractor trailer ran over and smashed it, they would still replace it no charge under this warranty program. It's that great. Uh, and they've, they've done a great job in this aspect. So we're able to team with Panasonic, come up with the hardware and the support and the warranty we needed up front, and then offer our software and applications and cloud servers and updates and everything as a monthly fee. So instead of having to charge for equipment up front and travel and installation and training, we can set everything up remotely, ship the handhelds, get to them remotely, train remotely, and come up with a solution that is just a modest, you know, monthly fee with nothing upfront required. And it goes for 36 months. At the end of 36 months, you want to continue. Your hardware gets replaced with brand new hardware from Panasonic, but everything else just continues as is. So you keep up with the latest technology, you, you, your hardware doesn't get too old, and you eliminate issues with older hardware breaking down and causing problems with your, with your process flows. So it's, uh, it's interesting for me, at least coming from uh, running a, a hosted software company, right? This idea that uh, everything's a subscription and everything is really you're buying the service at the end of the day. Um, to see that translated to the physical world is also sort of uh, an interesting concept, right? That you can, you can provide a service and that device is really just part of the service as opposed to sort of this historical model of I'm buying a thing and I own it. Correct. It's kind of a hybrid because that was the, the the model for quite a while. I mean, even IBM would you'd sell you know mainframe computers back in the day, and then you'd sell the support that went with it. And then we transferred recently to software as a subscription, and purely software driven. You don't have to buy a lot of stuff up front. You can just subscribe to this, pay a monthly fee. You don't have to worry about any of the hardware, any of that. And we kind of made a hybrid of those two models because our solution does require some hardware, we do have to have something that can capture the images, that can capture the data, that can scan the barcodes. But that's really just the means to the end. Primarily what we're doing is all the rest of it. It is our software, it is our application, it is our validation, it is our server hosting, it is our reporting functionality. That is really what we're providing. And then the ability then to capture this information and to push it up to um, a warehouse management system or yard management system or an inventory control system with our uh, APIs is just the, like the next step. That's how we can really make this a, an, uh, an enticing proposition to an end user. So you've been on this journey now for quite a while, going all the way back to, to those original devices. What do you wish you sort of knew back then at the beginning that, uh, that you've learned over the years from being in this business? Well, I... I have my two, I have two backgrounds. One is in finance. I have my MBA in finance, but I also then get a degree in uh, computer technology. But it was a long time ago. I mean, I learned how to program on IBM mainframes using punch cards in COBOL, um, which is totally you know antiquated now. Uh, but but I had that background. But even then, going from the analog film business to a, a much more modern digital process was challenging from a business standpoint, not necessarily from a development standpoint, because we knew how to do that, but how to market it and sell it. It was a completely different business model. And that's what we struggled with a bit initially. And we finally found our niche there. Um, but I think what we've really done with our new mobile application is almost gone back to that original film model, whereas yeah, there's a piece of hardware required. It's cheap up front, but the real, 
you know, the real business model is the monthly, you know, film usage. In this case, now it's the monthly fees. We're providing the uh, that you know with the old film cameras. What we really provided was that picture of this transaction when you needed it. Okay. The other, the rest of it was just the means to the end. So that's kind of, we're back almost to that model. And in a way I feel a lot more comfortable with that model. Uh, and I think it's going to work a lot better for us going down, going forward to down the road. It's uh, interesting to hear how you, know, you read a lot of things in the press, or at least I do, about sort of solution selling and and uh, you know turning your product into a solution. And how do I how do I how do I frame everything as a solution? I think I think that's really sort of you know blindingly obvious in in your world, but uh, you know probably a good lesson for everyone in that that you really are at the end of the day not selling you know, the device to take the picture or even really the picture yourself. You're selling the peace of mind that when you show up in court, you're going to have the picture, right? Yeah. Or, and it's more that even now with, um, with our mobile application and even with the, the desktop to a certain extent, it was, it's more the, um, the compliance aspect of it, not necessarily going to court and proving something, but so much of this industry is regulated now ever since September 11th, you know, with the passage of the Patriot Act and the creation of the TSA, CTPAT, all these things that didn't exist back before 2001. Um, and so our application helps the director of security for a major corporation who's responsible for all their locations across the country put in a solution that is cost-effective, easy to use, and easily replicatable across all their facilities. And because we can tie each device to one centralized server, him, the director of security, and whoever he designates, people at each facility, the managers, other people in security and the corporate office, can all have access to those reports when they need it. And when the TSA comes calling and says, let me see this and prove to me that you did this, it's they're just really like a mouse click away at this point. So they really love it from that standpoint. It makes their jobs a lot, lot easier. So uh, now that you're in the cloud and you're on the mobile device, does this also sort of scale down? If, if I had one facility, I'm just running a, you know, an air cargo facility at one airport. Is, it, is this something that I can sign up and just have the one copy as, a, as opposed to sort of a big global rollout? Sure. It's the initial setup. You pretty much usually starts with one device. We create a cloud server for that client. And of course, because it's a cloud server, geographically, we can locate that server in various parts of the country. So if it was one client with one facility and they were in Miami, let's say, we would set up the cloud server somewhere on the East Coast, preferably the Southeast. So the latency between their facility and where the server is, is not that great. But if we know it's a nationwide client with a large customer base. We would set up the server typically in the middle of the country someplace. So none of the facilities is, you know, more than like halfway across the country away from it. But once we set up that server and get the first client configured and we get their application configured, because the application is configurable, when we set up initially the application for a client, we'll say, well, what is the information you're going to want to capture at that point of, you know, sale, so to speak, when the driver shows up, we know you're going to want to capture the driver's information. We know you're going to want to carry capture the carrier information so we can create a carrier list for you. But then what other information you want to capture? You want to capture a bill of lading number? You want to capture a seal number? You want to capture a trailer number? License plate number? So we configure all of that. And then we ship it to the facility. And once we've done one of them, 
creating the next one or the next 10 or the next 20 is a simple matter of just duplicating the first one. And of course, each handheld doesn't have to be exactly the same. The one in Miami does not have to be the same as the one in Indianapolis and doesn't have to be the same as the one in San Francisco. They can capture different information, but it all goes to the same database and all the reporting functionality will, will show the appropriate reports based on what they're looking for and based on which facility was capturing the data. So, yeah, to answer your question, I guess you can start with just one. And typically, that's how we do start with every customer. If somebody was starting out in the in the industry today and, and you come to this from from more of an Internet of Things, I guess, perspective now than than a lot of people who are looking at sort of just raw data. What advice would you give somebody kind of getting into into this part of the business today? I'd say have a really good business plan to start with and then update it. Every six months. <laughs> I mean, you really got to know what your target market is and have someone who's very familiar with that market. So th you're not trying to just develop something and then go to a customer and say, hey, is this something you're interested in? You know, there's, there's a market for it. You know, that there's a need for it. And of course, not everybody's going to want it. Not everybody's going to need it. But you're developing a product from a point of strength and you know that you're going to make sales. No, I think that's uh, that's really, really good advice. What we set out to do and then what we're doing a year later is not always, uh, you know, being stubborn and pointing in one direction and not updating that business plan or, or reacting to the changes in the in the market or the underlying technology is uh, is, is sort of a trap people can fall into. Yeah. Uh, well, and of course, you can't make your software all things to all people. You can't do every part of the supply chain that's required to be compliant with CTPAT or compliant with um, certified cargo screening facilities. Um, but what you can do is partner with other technology companies. And if each one of you brings a piece of the solution to the game, then you can jointly work together, jointly market, jointly sell your products. And each one of you can then just focus on what you do best. And that is what I am trying to do now. So we've, we're doing what we do best, but we still realize it's only one piece of the puzzle. And we want to work with other um, technology companies. You know, most of these technology companies are small. I mean, by small, I mean, they're not IBM, they're not Siemens. They're relatively small companies, but they're focused and they're quick to react to market changes and market needs and customer needs. And I think that is the key to, uh, one of the keys to succeeding in this, in this industry we find ourselves in today where technology does change so extremely quickly. Yeah, I think there was um, always a debate when I was in enterprise IT on the, on the 3PL side of sort of, do we buy a number of best of breed solutions or do and and bring them together or do we just go try to find the one the one sort of mega solution to rule them all the sort of sap is is the is the classic example there you know in my opinion today that choice is sort of a false choice right the world is so complex that not even the things that do a lot of things they aren't going to do all the things and the Software companies, whether they're, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 year old companies, you know, that reinvent themselves or the startups that are getting funded today that are doing those specific things and are focused, uh, just provide solutions that are so dynamic compared to uh, somebody who's trying to kind of create the, the plain vanilla for everybody. Uh, so, so I couldn't agree more. Mm. So, um, 
you guys have your your mobile app that that's rolling out. You've you've kind of been through this uh, this iteration, these multiple iterations of the technology. Uh, what's uh, what's sort of the biggest thing that 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 you guys see as maybe next for you? I think some of this integration I was just talking about. Um, once we have our initial solution for the mobile application perfected. Obviously, there's always going to be development work there. There's going to be new features we're going to come, want to come out with. But I think our next step is going to be trying to partner with other companies like yours and see if we can jointly you know, go to potential clients and offer a more comprehensive solution together. That's my next uh, focus. Yeah, and, and some of the things that, that we've been working on, uh, you know, warehouse management integrations, yard management, but also, uh, you know, we've we've are working on integrating your photo proof into our blockchain stamping, right? So there there's the bleeding edge, right? Uh, moving moving those photos up to the blockchain and really getting that that proof of work established. So that's probably a good good place to wrap up today. Uh, you know, thanks so much. It was great hearing about sort of how a company can not just start from scratch and appear out of nowhere, but build up from from the analog world to the digital to the mobile. Uh, so really appreciate your time today. Well, I thank you for the opportunity, Brian, and I look forward to working with you more closely in the future. That's a wrap. Uh, we've included some links down in the show notes to learn more about Regiscope and their products. And thanks again to you for listening and to John for joining us today. <laughs>